great news from Sprint. The wait is finally over. The new Samsung Galaxy Note 10 with the powerful S Pen has arrived at Sprint, and you can get it for 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. That's right. Get the power of performance and productivity of the Galaxy Note 10 for less than $20 per month. There's never been a better time to switch. To learn more, visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash Galaxy Note 10, or call 800-SPRINT-1 today. $19.79 a month after $19.80 monthly credit. Apply within two bills with approved credit. 18-month lease and new line of service. If canceled, literally remain balance due. Exclusive tax coverage and offer not available everywhere. Third calculation fee restrictions apply. Right, you're back in the DFSR here with an NFL podcast. It's Thursday, September 13th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are here to talk about some cash plays for FanDuel and DraftKings Week 2. We're from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash backslash NFL slash backslash whatever. Whatever you type in the URL. Uh, but make sure it's NFL at the end of it. Uh, we'll get you a free three-day trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at lineup lab that's uh optimal lineups for nfl FanDuel, and DraftKings coming off a very strong week one we still have nfl or excuse me we still have mlb going up uh, while that season trucks toward the finish line at the end of the month uh, and then nba and nhl coming down the pike as well so um lots lots happening around here and uh we want to get you started keep winning on FanDuel and DraftKings. all right buddy week two cash game plays um i posted them earlier in the week on tuesday or wednesday uh, yeah, we did see a lot of chalk for week one, uh, specifically around James Conner and Alvin Kamara. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see the same. I think we do are going to see some chalk plays. Again, like Keelan Cole is kind of chalky. Chris Hogan, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys. Jack Doyle to some degree in cash, Gronk. Um, I'm not sure we see the same levels of ownership in week two. We don't have, for a couple reasons, and I'll get your opinion on this one second, but we don't have the lead-up time like we had in week uh, in week one. We had just had basically a month of preseason and conjecture and seeing you know the injuries that had happened and had a lot of time to sit with what we thought was going to be the way things played out in week uh, one. And then we get new information in week one. Now we only have three or four days to digest it. Well, we have a whole week to digest it. I had three or four days before I posted the article um, to digest it. Do you think we see ownership a little more spread out this week? Do you think, you know, from bird's eye view, do you think you see just guys that stand out as just, quote, obvious plays? Like, you know, Kamara and, and Connor were something like 75% owned in cash. Do you think we see any guys with numbers like that again this week? Or do you think with the lead time and maybe prices, and specifically prices tightening up, do you think we see uh, lower ownership for just across the board in cash? Yeah, the biggest thing we saw from the lead time was the fact that there were some glaring pricing inefficiencies that led to huge ownership. And I think, you know, once everyone learned more about what roles certain players would inhabit on certain teams, that it did, it had a twofold effect, right? So on one hand, you're going to play James Conner because he's 5,000, right? And it's it's just simply wrong. You're going to play him in cash. Uh, I God help the casual money that went in last week that didn't play James Conner. Like they got it. Usually like that'll burn you, but not to the tune of 32 fantasy points and making the game totally unwinnable. But um so you get that. So you get. So you have, you lock in that one slot. But what it also does is it really restricts your player pool for your other slots too, because it just frees up so much money, and you wind up with like kind of an artificial lineup that way. So that also I think fed why Kamara was so high owned. And when you take out those guys or you have fewer of them locked into certain slots, then people are in much more interesting decisions, right? They're like, okay, well, I, do I can I go double expensive at running back? Like, can I? Like, who do, should I kind of pump with this guy who's like a two down back? You know, like they get kind of pressed in these spots. And when everyone's kind of doing that math, then there's just a lot more diversity in ownership. So, yeah, almost inevitably this week we'll have a greater spread in ownership. 
Right, and we've talked about this in the past as well, the cascading effect that um, decisions have on the rest of your lineup, right? Like you don't make any decision in a vacuum because of the pricing. Uh, you know, this isn't like just, um, you know, we're not just going for overall raw points or whatever, you know, fan mode or whatever it's going to be. But the um, the cascading effect of not doing Connor, like you said, has a double effect. You arguably chose, not arguably, you did choose a worse player for the position just to start. And then you chose another worse player because you had to go cheap somewhere else. And so you actually, you kind of like double dipped your problem, right? Like you didn't choose like the overall best guy and made another decision somewhere else simply because the pricing wasn't going to work out in your favor. So you see these cascading effects across lineups when the decisions are egregiously bad, like I would say. And it's easy to say after the fact for sure, but these were guys that I just had absolutely no doubt about uh, going into cash last week. And then um, we're not going to get the same effect going into this week. Uh, well, last thing before we get into the cash games, I, I'm going to put out a piece later today about some of the things we can take away from the millionaire maker uh, ownerships from last week. And I'm going to get into, you know, sometimes why it's okay to eat the chalk. Like last week, if you ate, like Kamara and Connor were the two highest owned guys and they were in every winning lineup. So you don't always need to be a contrarian to win these big tournaments. At times there are just guys who are the best plays and you just make the best plays on the rest of your margin. So uh, I'll have some thoughts about going up and the guys I see going either way on that, on that kind of thought process. All right, cash game going into yeah, this Yeah, for week. sure. Um, so let's jump into the article now because I think given that everything is going to be pretty spread out this week, we might have some names. Well, I don't know. I, I won't make any guesses this early as to where the chalk is going to shake out. But one thing I did notice when I was looking at your article was that quarterback had some names that I wonder if people are going to be very excited about. Um, you know, one guy kind of low upside. The other guy was a guy who was just simply awful week one, although there were some extenuating circumstances. But I'd love to know like how what your process looked like in trying to break these quarterbacks down because, you know, immediately, obviously, I saw these names and I was like, oh, Doug probably messed this up. I better go over and see who the actual guy should have been. And then when I looked, I was like, oh, <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the vote of confidence. That was a pretty strong vote of confidence after working together on this project, on this website for like the last five years. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. That, well, that's my that... immediate assumption was, okay, Doug like had the wrong thing checked. He only had three games open. So, of course, he was like, this guy has to be the quarterback. No, I, I didn't assume that. But, you know, <laughs> these articles are kind of like a flagship article. And, like, you know, I feel like there's a lot riding on them. And so when I see yep. names that I'm not pumped about, I want to know why. So, so walk me through your thought process here okay here's my first i'm going to do two three thoughts here i'm going to i'm going to mention three quarterbacks and one i think we're going to be very contrarian on i just assume okay. two, two we're going to be very contrarian on, and actually they're from the same game i actually think mahomes is going to go into this week as a chalk cash game play Ooh. and i think that is just an absolutely horrendous decision i could be wrong about this um and i've spent way too much time online and offline already talking about the mahomes thing in terms of just how off the rails crazy i think people's uh, <laughs> process has gotten on it and we can talk more about it in the game the game uh, the game the game breakdown that what you're going to do tomorrow which is typically end up being like a megapot because I'm going to end up just railing about this again and I'm also writing about it <laughs> as we speak like I was writing about it before we jumped online and started talking today so I think he is going to be a cash game play and I think it's just absolutely insane considering his inefficiency and I'll get more into the process there why now I went the other way and talked about Alex Smith and Ben Roethlisberger and I think the case for both of these guys is pretty strong one the, the Smith thing is a price. I'm talking strictly cash game play. So I want to mm -hmm. just mention about why I think this is an important distinction to make. Uh, in terms of upside, you you know you. I'm not sure Alex Smith is is like the upside play. He's probably not just because of the way that he operates. His average but he's ball downfield is like four yards. Does that? Yeah, he doesn't throw the ball downfield, so he's not going <laughs> to amass you a 400 yard game like Rivers or like you know uh, Breeze or these guys that that we Mahomes. saw last week that just put Mahomes. Well, Mahomes only put up 250 yards. <laughs> I'm so, just so, so don't. So why'd you bring me back there? I was, trying to, get, I was trying to. I was trying to just organically move off of Pat Mahomes. So. Um, 
Alex Smith, though, is, in, is so efficient. So he completed 70% of his passes last, last week. Um, that's pretty standard for him. Like he just guy just run. This is by the way with a new, first week with a new team. So I, not to overlook that. That is pretty remarkable for the quarterback. All new receivers and who oh, actually incidentally he really didn't throw to all that often. He mostly threw to Reed and Thompson, which is a good thing because it just shows that it can only get better from here. Like when you're already when you're fine in checkoffs to to guys like that, and then you know that your comfort level can sustain over. Um, maybe those guys being covered now your options are actually just better so with Doxon mm. and Crowder and guys like this he's very efficient um he does run which I like to see in a cash game quarterback every once in a while not a, not one of the lead leading quarterback rushers but definitely up there last season uh, a couple big runs really buoyed his numbers there but he will he still does get out and run when under pressure and I, I like that as a just kind of a, fa- a fail safe piece of points um and then indianapolis just still stinks uh, there's no other way yeah to and i mean the biggest plus for me really is just this matchup going up against indy i mean we saw cincinnati and indy dalton look great against them last week uh last year indianapolis i think they were yeah they were a bottom 10 team in terms of yards allowed uh per attempt in the air but they wound up being relatively low in total yards simply because uh, they were losing a lot, and teams really didn't need to throw the ball in them a whole heck of a lot. But yes, I, I do like Smith here. I think, you know, he's he's the type of guy, and I think people kind of get confused about this for DFS purposes, and like why I talk about the unexciting name problem. In real football, like having an exciting quarterback actually is correlated with how much you win and lose, because there's no part where like if you have an expensive quarterback you don't get to have good players with him (laughs) right in dfs if you can get a high floor guy at a high floor position that's really why you play quarterback not for the upside but for the high floor then that often frees up your ability to get high floor guys at positions where that's a lot more rare you know like being able to play like last week michael thomas keenan allen guys that you know rate to see double digit targets will really lower your variance at those positions and i think you know being able to do it you don't always want to do it but when the moment strikes i think that has to be in your you know that, that has to be a, something you can pull out is the cheap quarterback with the high floor especially like smith on DraftKings, by the way but um but yeah like you can just whip that out from time to time so is this the week to do it i'm, I'm still not totally convinced yet but i i can see where you're coming from here when you look at yards and it, Interceptions are very difficult to predict because they can be just like these high variance sort of at times yeah. fluky kind of thing. Um, but I think we can make an, we can agree that the shorter, the more accurate your passing is, the less chance you will have at throwing interception. I think that is pretty known. Now again, I I, you know by by degree how much that gets worse over how you know how far you throw. I'm sure someone's done a correlation on this. Uh, Smith threw five. Smith threw 505 pass attempts last year. Threw five interceptions. Uh, that is not Seems coincidence good. based on based on yeah. the kind of routes that he throws. He is throwing routes that are just not going to get intercepted a lot. They will ever once in a while. You know, as whereas guys like and the guy I'm going to talk about next, Roethlisberger threw a ton of interceptions. Um, and through a lot in week one, and I still think that he is still a cash game play for me against Kansas City. He, he, I wrote him up as my second guy. There's a couple reasons for it. One, um, I think that the passing, his passing crew, like his wide receiver crew plus Connor, who showed that he can uh, that he can just catch a lot of balls, is about as good as you're going to find in the game. And I think that really helps him. Kansas City defense is very bad. They just let, I mentioned Rivers a little bit ago, they left over 400 yards passing to Rivers uh, in week one. And that would have been, you can say this about a lot of quarterbacks, I'm sure. 
the uh, Tyra Williams and ooh, Travis Benjamin just straight up dropped two touchdowns that would have combined for about another 60 yards. Now, again, you got to lop it off a little bit because he ended up throwing, but um, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways that the Kansas city pass defense could have looked a lot worse. If nothing else, these guys just drop balls in the end zone. So um, I think Roethlisberger, he, they come in with the second highest implied total, third highest implied total. And what really could end up being a shootout because the defense on Pittsburgh, you know, has its own holes. In a game where I do think Kansas City can hang and they're going to end up having to just put up a lot of points on the board, I really like the idea of just stacking Roethlisberger and Connor to get maybe even Roethlisberger, Connor, and Brown together in cash because it's sort of in the same way that I like the Breeze, Kamara, Thomas playing cash last week. Uh, this hmm. strikes me as, this strikes me as very much the same kind of that's going to be like most of their scoring. And if you you know if you look at some you know maybe the Saints fall into this category again except all those guys came way up in price so I'm just not sure you can really afford to do something like that specifically Kamara came up uh, Thomas as well but if you're looking for a game where their offense is pretty concentrated around three guys and I know you have Smith uh, Smith Schuster there they're gonna get Vance McDonald back uh, but if you want to take a look at a game where you can get full, almost full concentration of all the team's points um, for not having to pay completely through the nose for it. I think, especially if you're playing Connor and Cash, Roethlisberger makes a lot of sense. So anyway, that's my case for, for Roethlisberger. I do think the wind and weather affected him last week as well, making that line look worse than it would have been on just a normal weather day. So um, yeah, that's what kind well, of I think that's a good him. point. I think yeah. the in football, part of the uh, the what have you done me late, done for me lately problem yep. is a real one when it comes to quarterbacks because a quarterback with Roethlisberger's track record, yeah, sometimes quarterbacks just get old, and that's something we need to keep an eye out for. But given that he has basically the same personnel. And you'd be concerned about the running back thing, except for the fact that Connor was great last week. So it doesn't look like that's going to be as big a downgrade as probably the average public thinks it would be. Um, given that he's still going to have Brown, he's still going to have Smith Schuster. He's you know only six months older than or not, eight months older than the last time we saw him play football. Like he's you know nothing crazy has happened here. I think people are going to underrate him generally, and I think getting him in this top top tier matchup. One thing I love about these picks in general. And by the way, I just completely misspoke on the Indianapolis stats before. I had, it's a long story, but I had the wrong thing pulled up. Both Indy and KC, they were actually one and two, respectively, in yards per attempt allowed last mm-hmm. season, and both in the bottom five in terms of passing yards allowed. And I think when you have that combination as your like, cash game potpourri, that really raises the floor of these guys as well. Because if there's any sport where a matchup really, really matters, it's football. Um, you know, a, a player can look completely different from one week to the next. I mean, it matter. You could say it matters in baseball too, because you're going to look worse against the best pitchers and so on. But I feel like that's a little bit more obvious. In football, people again, the casual fan tends not to know who they might know who the very worst defense is. But if you ask the person off the street how was Indy against the pass last year, they're going to have no idea, right? So, uh, being able to get Roethlisberger against KC, Smith against uh, Indianapolis is going to raise. Like, if those guys are split across your cash games, it would be tough for it to be a complete disaster, in my opinion. Yep, and that's kind of where I landed. And, by the way, I think we're going to get separation on Mahomes will be higher on than Roethlisberger and Smith both in cash. It seems crazy. That also falls into the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately category as well. Um, I'm prepared mentally and emotionally for him to have a big game, and I just understand that. So uh, we can move on to running back. But the two other guys I I did mention, I think there's still a case to to play Breeze. I think they've shown they're going to need to pass more without Ingram there. Um, And so I think that you can... can, 
fairly confidently roster him here in a game where they, I believe they have the highest uh, implied total of the day. So I think going Breeze, Thomas, Kamara, it's just more expensive is the problem. And I think you're, um, you are you run into some real salary issues of trying to do that. I'm also, I actually really like Deshaun Watson going to this week. And I'm trying, this is where I'm trying to really fall into the, not the opposite of what have you had done for me lately piece because we've just seen so many weeks where the thing that you thought you knew from the previous week just ends up being not true and you just are late to the party on it and I think Watson is going to enter this game a much better matchup against the Titans uh, in terms of just an overall scheme like they're going to slow the ball down a little bit more but they're not going to bring a smarter defense than the Patriots brought against them he's going to get Will Fuller back as well uh, which I think really helps him spread the field and that specifically helps Hopkins so I think that things line up really well for Watson to be under own I probably won't go there for cash although it is actually closer than I thought it would be and I'm actually very encouraged he actually ran eight times last game so if you're worried about the knee and what their plan was for him in terms of just pocket presence uh the legs it does not appear as if they are trying to do the thing where they hold him into the pocket and just don't make him run anymore like like that happened to cam two years ago right like all of a sudden he just stopped running now that's not the case anymore but um because they just realized that was the only thing yeah well once you start treating quarterback like that with kid gloves like you just see the fantasy production go down the tubes because like you don't i think many people don't even realize but you can weather like you get that random 21 for 34 game for like 250 yards but you happen to get the 60 yards rushing and so the overall line looked good and you just kind of forget that the passing wasn't that great but when you just take those running yards off the table all of a sudden that one 200 200 yard passing game is a complete nightmare i also one thing you know i mentioned this about the titans before but they were a really polarized defense last year ranking in the top four in terms of rushing yards allowed but the bottom of the league, I think the bottom three in terms of passing yards allowed. Um, cool. So, yeah, and I think Watson goes without saying, but excellent big tournament target if you think people are going to be sleeping on him. So let's slide over to running back real quick because this is another area, you know, like, it's funny. You get used so used to doing baseball, and in baseball, you wind up talking about the same guys all the time. That doesn't always happen in football because matchups change so dramatically. The opportunities, the pricing changes, guys get hurt. You just tend to see different names cropping up to the top of the list. Running back this week, you have some familiar names out there. So I'd love to know, I mean, the top two guys on your list right now are James Conner and Alvin Kamara, the two highest owned guys from last week. Both have seen small price increase. Well, in Conner's case, his price rose by 40%, but totally understand. Connor, you'd be nuts not to play in cash this week, I think. I wrote, I wrote this in the recap article. I said his price is going to go up. People are going to think it's too much. This guy should be this guy should be priced along right alongside these other two guys. Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. He should be a $9,000 running back right now. Um, in one more week, my bet is he will. And in two more weeks, he almost assuredly will, short of either getting injured or Levy and Bell coming back, which, I mean, the injury thing, who knows? And the Bell thing I don't think is going to happen. Um, this is worth, we're talking about a guy I... That is just among, he showed in one week that he's going to be an elite usage guy as long as he's there. They have a team track record for it. They've done it before. They had no qualms about doing it week one. He was very good in week one. I love how people like too. the narrative train is like, oh, the Steelers missed Bell because they they lost. Dude, Connor's not the reason they lost. You know? They didn't lose, <laughs> like, by the way. They tied. Uh, or, or, sorry, they scheme they tied. Well, they didn't win, I should have said. Um, Connor wasn't the reason, man. He was good. And they have no other guy. There is nobody behind him. Um, you know, they have, I think they have Jalen Samuels on the roster. Um, they had Switzer took a run, but I don't think that even counts. Um, they don't, there's just not another guy. So if you're looking at game you script, two touchdowns player, importantly there too. Like, so there's that's no what I mean. He's going to get the goal line. He's going to get the hurry up. He's yeah. going to get, he's going to run the ball if they're up. He's going to re- receive balls out of the backfield if they're behind. Uh, this is just the absolute perfect situation for a player 
There's no way around that he's going to be. Uh, Casey's defense stinks too. They have a huge total. You're crazy if you don't play him in, in cash. I, I thought you were crazy last week. I couldn't believe people wanted to fade him. Um, it just made no sense to me at all. Uh, I think the price increase, again, I, the, I would start having a, pro, a question about it at somewhere in this week matchup. I would have a question about it somewhere in the same range as Gurley and Kamara. Like I would actually take a look at the three of those guys and say, which one of these three do I feel the most comfortable? It might be Kamara. I think I would still, if they were all the same price, I think I would take Kamara out and play Gurley and Connor. It's close for me. Hold um, on, you would play Connor at like nine thousand over Kamara. You're saying it's close. I, I think that I, it's closer wow. than I thought it would be. I'm uh, actually a little concerned. I one not like the like the tier in which I place guys matters. I actually wish I had written Gurley up before Kamara. Like if the idea is like this, my confidence level is based okay. on which which uh, number I write guys up. I went. Yeah, Connor. tell me more because Kamara, Kamara, you know, chalk play absolutely went off last week. We saw that he'll be used in the passing game. Um, when they're down, that seems to raise his floor. But you're telling me that you like Gurley better, even though Gurley. I mean, he was he was fine last week. You saw the usage come through, but didn't it's that. light the world. It's that piece fire. right there. It's the it's it's the running. I, I'm I'm not still not completely convinced. The goal is to give Kamara the ball 18 times a game in a game they're winning. Like I just don't. Mm. Um, the, we didn't see it in the first week, and this is you know this is why I'm a little concerned. I, the fact that they just did have two other running backs on the roster that they did bring in for spells, like Williams and Gillisley, uh, and then Williams only took one carry. Gillisley took three and fumbled. But um, I, I, I'm not fully convinced that they want to make him a 30-touch-a-game guy. I And the, just the fact that these other running backs are on... on he's a great player. I'm going to end up playing him in cash. I'm going to end up most likely just going Kamara... Uh, Gurley and uh, James Conner on FanDuel because I think you can do it in terms of price and just save a receiver. But I, in terms of confidence level, I think my, I would go Conner for the price. When price is, it's not even close yeah, when yeah. price is factored in. Um, and then I would probably go Gurley and then Kamara. Look, you're, you're splitting hairs at that point because these guys are so good. And I think, but if I had to choose, gun to my head between the two of them, I would go Gurley just because I know the plan is to give him the ball a ton. Like they. That, right. that is, now, they're huge favorites. They're both big favorites. Uh, Rams actually might almost be too big of a favorite at minus 13 and a half because mm. uh, you actually run into some, possibly some blowout. But I did look at Rams games where they were in blowouts last year, and Gurley like, never even touched the ball less than 17 times in games where they were winning by like 30. So I don't have a ton of concern in terms of like how much he's going to use the ball. I don't, am, I go, am I going crazy here? But I think that, No, I don't think I, so. I mean, it's, so it's, it's tricky, right? Because for me... Like, I tend to like to lean safe for cash, and I think that's against, you know, some... That can be against the trend in the industry sometimes, especially with a guy like Kamara, who I don't think I played for cash a single time last year. Nope. And, Cor- yeah, and, it, and you were correct in that, by the way, because, like, I his... Felt, I felt that way, too, but it didn't always work out, right? Like, some, nope. he had some absolutely explosive weeks. You know, he's a, a top season-long pick this year based on what he did last year, and, you know, Ingram being... Like, I think week one was the first week I ever played Alvin Kamara in cash. And... There's obviously a little bit of new opportunity here with the guy who also they they lost a thousand yard rusher that he was competing for carries with right but um, we've seen plenty of guys like that kind of fit his mold in the past where everyone assumes like well who else is going to get the thing and then it doesn't work out right like Reggie Bush comes to mind there right where, Christian McCaffrey last week we Christian just saw McCaffrey like, last like, week we did just see it. these pass catching backs it's rare that you get a guy who can both run between the tackles and catch passes effectively and that's why there are third down backs that's why that's a thing right because the guys that fit that profile are unusual Gurley is a classic three down back he still did have the five targets last week and that's not elite it's a doesn't make you dream on anything big like the 12 targets you saw for Kamara but I I think I like your take that basically 
the game script actually helped Kamara last week, <laughs> that he actually ran hot in terms of the Saints being down because of the plan was to give him the ball, you know, 12 to 13 times on the ground and maybe like seven or eight times in the air that you'd be seeing a guy who shouldn't be priced at 9,000 on FanDuel and 9,500 on DraftKings. So I don't mind playing him this week. I, I think he's still a good cash game option. I think there's some chance that like Gillisley, the, the one reason I would hold out hope here is that Gillisley and Williams both just looked so bad yeah. that it'd be hard for them to supplant him. But after that, I think, you know, I, I think the case for Gurley being the safer play is a strong one. I guess I'll say that. The hilarious last thing about the running backs, and I guess we can move on. But hilariously, the opposite of this, I actually think it helps Kamara that they lost in week one because now there's some urgency behind this. Now, you're going to get devil, you're going to chicken the egg here because if they had won, I think we would have known what their plan was a right. little bit better and we would have more information. Um, and maybe maybe we'd still be in the same place where, oh, they won and he still didn't carry the ball out or they won and the plan had been. So I think we're stuck. If anything, the loss helps them because if you are. If you're feeling a sense of urgency as a team, like we do not want to go 0-2 to start the season, and Kamara is just our best option to actually win games, like we at some point we can't save him for later in the season or for right, Super Bowl right, aspirations right. or whatever, because uh, we just simply do not. It's going to be very difficult to get down 0-2 on the season and then have you know legitimate playoff hopes. Uh, that would be my. That's the case actually to boost him back up in terms of elite usage carries because it's clear that he is the guy. Although he really wasn't even that effective on the ground, eight for twenty nine. Uh, no, he not, was bad on the ground. Yeah, and I hear choice. I hear what you're saying. I think one thing to note too about running backs right now is that running back is pretty deep this week. Yes. And I think we, I'm going to also reserve the right to change our cash game opinion <laughs> come this weekend. So do be sure to check us out in the chat and you know keep an eye if you're uh, not a member yet. You can check that out at dfsr.com/nfl. The uh, this is this is one of those weeks where, given that there are no like besides Connor, that number two slot to me is not super super clear cut. So I think we might have to return to that at some point. One more note. Um, one more note. I'm not going to mention any guys. I just want to say something that I almost for sure will have different running backs between FanDuel and DraftKings. I think the pricing oh. is is different enough on either site that I think you can actually hedge between the two sites. It's much softer on on FanDuel. So when I say cash game plays, I'm more confident with the cash game sticking with those prices on FanDuel. I think on DraftKings is going to be much closer. We have actually Connor in there and then some different guys. We'll get through mm-hmm. into the game-by-game breakdown. But this is why, you know, we put out a cash game article to give a high-level view of what I think is going to happen this week. And then ultimately, things just do come down to price. There's really no other way around. Right. So we can talk about some of those guys that I think are close. Maybe even, uh, maybe just like lock cash games uh, on DraftKings as well. Uh, do you want to talk about wide receiver? Yeah, here? yeah. We'll, we'll jump in here because I think wide receiver... I was most intrigued by your wide receiver picks. If you yep. you know ran out some familiar names at quarterback and running back, uh, wide receiver is going to look a lot different to most people. Uh, this this read to me like an uh, like an off the radar value mm-hmm. article rather than you know a classic chalk article. At least based on the last two years worth of performance. Uh, the first guys he wrote up were Sanders and Thomas. I mean, you know my how gun shy I can be about running wide receivers with a new quarterback, um, wide receivers with a proven track record. And just a new guy comes in and we just kind of don't know how things are going to shake out. Are you feeling like a one-week sample size with Case Keenum is a convincing enough one? Or should our our readers, you know, temper their enthusiasm here? Um, No, I think the sample size is good. We've seen these guys... They were so bad in previous years because their quarterback play was as bad as you could ever get. It's reasonable to expect even a modest increase in quarterback talent would lead to possibly even outsized gains for these guys because these guys are just very good receivers in their own right. Um, they were getting as bad a quarterback play as you could ever possibly expect for multiple seasons between Simeon and uh, Osweiler and the little bit of Paxton Lynch. These guys 
that they were among the worst, maybe the three worst quarterbacks that have taken the field, and that includes some teams' backups over the last couple of years, and that's who their primary throwers were. So we've already seen a season. Yes, it takes time to develop rapport, right? It doesn't take all that much time to develop rapport when you're just a pretty accurate thrower and your receivers are good. The, the, the bar is lower when that is the case. It's a little it's a little different when it's a brand new receiver or maybe an unknown quarterback. When we have, I'd say, fairly known commodities, it's not unreasonable to expect that you would see just keep look let me rewind keenum did this last year in his first season as a vikings quarterback with two pretty good receivers no one had an issue by the end of the season rolling uh Thielen and Diggs, right like how different of a situation are we looking at here he was not the starting quarterback right. so it's different the season last i mean year. so the, the reason it's different um and by the way I, I think the most convincing thing here is that we've now seen a week and he's picked these guys and does yes. want to throw them the ball and so you know i think the the wide receiver in a new situation thing starts to look like, it actually um, kind of normalizes pretty quickly. You see this with backup quarterbacks, too. You saw it with Keenum himself last season when he okay, came right. in unexpectedly, where you just don't know who a quarterback's favorite receivers are until you see it in person. And I think the fact that we know now that these are his two favorite guys, and the nice thing is, oftentimes a quarterback comes in and it's just some random guy, Andrew Hawkins or some crazy guy, off the bench, and... All of a sudden, like that guy steps in, and you're like, mm, "Can we really trust him?" But with Sanders and Thomas, I mean, people were just willing to go out on a limb with with Sanders in particular last week, and and I don't think it was incorrect. And so I think the sixty eight hundred and seven thousand dollars price tags. I mean, these are guys. Thomas, he's been up near nine thousand before. We've seen Sanders be in the mid eights with like no problem at all. And so the uh, sixty eight hundred on Fanduel and seven thousand for Thomas. Uh, you know, the, the mid fives and sixes on DraftKings. It just seems like a mistake. Like it seems like ten percent growth on these prices is no a no brainer almost going forward. And then I don't even know if you mentioned the matchup yet, did you? No, Oakland's horrible. Uh, they, yeah. I, they they don't look like they can win a game. I, I, like, I don't know. Uh, my only concern here would be that Denver just gets up too early and they don't need to do it. I mean, the Oakland offense has not shown a thing that where they can really completely hang in a game. I know they scored a couple times on the Rams last week, but right. uh, a couple things about Sanders too. Uh, ran. I, I mentioned this in the article, but he ran almost primarily uh, as a split wide out last season, and they moved him almost primarily into the slot. So they just changed their scheme in terms of Sanders. So if you're looking Mm -hmm. for a possession receiver, uh, this is where uh, Keenum completed a ton of passes to the slot last year. I looked up the stat uh, between Diggs and Thielen. Um, That that was kind of his bread and butter spot in the offense. We've seen this increase over the last couple of seasons when teams have that slot wide receiver that they can trust. Uh, those guys do become big-time possession guys. It's like the new form of running. Uh, so the fact that they moved Sanders in there for three-quarters of their offensive plays, right. um, and it was wildly effective, 10 of 11 targets. So um, I, I just don't see a reason. I don't mind stacking them both together if, the, if these targets are going to be there. Um, just because of their, their price points, I feel like gives a pretty high floor. I do know they have Cortland, uh, uh, Cortland Sutton there as well, but I'm not so worried about it. And they've spread it out to the running back. So anyway, yeah, I think I just mostly think, you know, I get a little gun shy sometimes when I take – last week especially with the receiver this week can really run into problems is that you take last week's target share and just translate it to the next week and just call it a day like oh our cash game picks are gonna be all the guys that were good last week at receiver (laughs) speaking of the translating last week's thing i'd like to get to these next two guys because i think with sanders and thomas it's less of an issue because we've seen the target share there for them in the past you know like i think we've made a pretty compelling case that we can draw some conclusions there. I'm not as sure about the next two guys. So uh, the next two guys, are, you I think, can safely be qualified as value plays. You got Nelson Aguilar and Kenny Galladay. And both of these guys, I would say, have pretty questionable track records. We have one week of increased target share. Aguilar's situation is a little bit different um, simply because, you know, Jeffrey is out there. Can we actually start with Galladay, though? Because I'm like... 
nothing has really changed about the situation in Detroit. And we have basically this one week of increased target share from Galladay. Why am I supposed to play this guy in my cash games, given that we had a whole season of him basically being overhyped and underperforming last year? Okay, here's one thing that did change. He outsnapped two of the other receivers last week. Ah, okay. um, he he had 65 of the offensive snaps. That was five less than the total. Um, if you want to use, oh, I take that back. He actually outsnapped Stafford <laughs> in this game. Um, so the the total was 70. Galladay had 65. Uh, Mar, uh, excuse me, Marvin Jones had 62. Golden Tate had 57. Um, what that speaks to is, and this is a game they were losing, by the way. So what, what was happening with Galladay was he was outsnapping the Tate package because he was in the two wide receiver sets and Tate was coming in on those three wide receiver sets in the slot. Uh, I think that's significant. He is now, I'm not going to call him a wide receiver one. Now if these target share, by the way, he had 12 targets too. So if, so I'm going to rewind my process. If he had 12 targets, but his snap count was 40 compared to those two guys. So he was just only getting the ball when he was on the field, let's say. Um, that means something, but it also means that the floor is is maybe not as high because if you're just not going to be on the field, you can't get it. The fact that he outsnapped these guys, uh, and maybe yeah. there's something game scripty wise that I'm missing, or maybe there was uh, something that I'm just missing from here. But the fact that he was the most snap, he was on the field more than any other wide receiver. Actually, I do think is a change that I'm willing to yeah. pay attention to. So no, I think that's um, I think that's a great a great little nugget to pull out. I think you know one of the things. Uh, this is one of the great missed opportunities for players as they're getting into DFS NFL where they're looking at targets, which I think is first they look at receptions, right? And they're like, Mike Evans was had seven catches last week. And you're like, yeah, but he had seven targets. Like that's going to be pretty tough to do. The next thing is that it's very hard to sustain a high target share if you're not on the field as much as everyone else because right. other teams will just know, okay, well, here comes Galladay. Like he's only on the field for 20 snaps a game. So like we'll just cover him now because they're obviously right. bringing him out to throw him the ball. But when you're out there all the time, it both lulls the defense into a false sense of security and it just lets you get plays when the play breaks down. And I think, you know, with Stafford, the play is going to break down sometimes. And uh, I think for that reason, and, you know, we haven't even talked about the price, but the fact that you're getting a guy double-digit targets last week at less than 6000 and less than 5000 on DraftKings, like just an absurd value, I think you've got to consider him basically on that basis alone. Like even without the increased snap count, even if you you know if you reverse this and he was the guy with fifty seven instead of Tate, you still might consider him. Uh, but let's go on to Aguilar because well, real know, well, last thing yeah, for Detroit, we're just also on year five million where they can't run the ball at all and they're underdogs going into San Francisco, so they're just going. It stands to reason they're just going to have to pass a lot as well. And so I think the I just yeah, think yeah. the I just think the volume will be there. And one last thing about pricing: when I write these articles, I do try to be honest about could I make a full lineup with these guys that are in this outline, in yep. this article? Yes, and like so I. Is, you know where do these guys rank in terms of overall raw point projections? I mean, Thomas Brown, Jones, Hopkins, Allen, Thielen, Adams, Thomas. I mean, the, you have to get down to like ten to get to Thomas and Sanders. So it's not like I think they're the highest projected guys. I just think they're the best for their value. But I can't. I'm just not going to write up. Anyone can write up all the best guys. So I'm just trying to be honest about it. We're going to ask about Aguilar. No, well, I, so I think that's a, a really good perspective. I think each week you're going to have to go cheap somewhere. That's just kind of how the NFL yep. works. Uh, you can't really. There's really no such thing as getting like solid, you know, just like guys who you are drafting in the first three rounds of your NFL draft uh, in NFL. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so moving on to Aguilar, though, because, you know, Aguilar, it's it's a it's a weird situation in that, you know, we have some track record here with the quarterback. We have which hasn't been record. very good, by the way, <laughs> I know <laughs> like that's at what times I'm saying. Yeah. Right. And we have some track record here with Jeffrey being out. He is cheap. I guess my major question is, am I going to go double cheap? Because like, like it seems like you'd be an insane person to play him 
<laughs> for a hundred less than Emmanuel Sanders on DraftKings, right? Or for more than Demarius Thomas. Like I, I'm personally would be pretty hard pressed to do that. On FanDuel, you do get a little bit of savings, but for me, I don't know. My gut tells me right now that something like Sanders, Thomas, Galladay feels a lot better than any of those lineups if you put Aguilar in there. But uh, sure, well, he, I mean, it's not a, it's a ten percent. It's a, like a twelve percent difference. It's not a small difference. I know they're tier, like they're sort of in the same tier, but the, the on you FanDuel, not, yeah. on FanDuel, nine hundred dollars difference and seven hundred dollars between Thomas and Sanders. I think that that that's a now that we've no, like eliminated right. the kicker and stuff. Like I I think that. I think that actually does make a difference. Um, sure. I, on DraftKings, I'm with you. I would not play Aguilar over Sanders. Um, I have those. I have both Thomas and Sanders ranked ahead of them. Um, I mean, if you look at Aguilar's game, so we have he was a pretty big target guy last year. I know a lot of it was Wentz, so um, it's, you can't really totally translate it. Not having Jeffrey there matters. Sproles is actually injured right now, so I'm not sure if he doesn't play. I think that actually just continues to help Aguilar. Um, mm-hmm. And he was. Aguilar was as bad as you can be on 10 targets considering he converted eight of them, right? So, like, conversion rate, great. Uh, 80% conversion rate. 33 yards. I, I hate to, like, take the one stat that helps me and take the other stat that hurts me. But, the <laughs> like, so, I, and I get I get that part of it. But is it, on 10 targets where you caught eight of them, is 33 yards just, like, basically the absolute floor for a receiver i can't it's i mean maybe but sometimes you're just the one who's getting those short passes that the running they do throw a lot of outs yes right um Um, and sometimes like you just throw an out and you just get tackled three yards later i i don't know i mean i I think that's one of those things where yeah probably rates to be higher but how much higher i'm not totally sure like would we be happy with eight catches for 55 yards (laughs) i'm just not i just don't know Maybe I'm tra- maybe I'm like picking the wrong comp here. I remember we went through situations like this with Jarvis Landry last year, right? Where like Jarvis Landry would have insane target share and was like, or maybe it was two years ago even, uh, where we just been on Landry for multiple seasons and um, where it was just right. kind of like, um, I mean, is this is he ever going to get the yards? Like, he ever going to break a tackle? And then eventually, guess what happened? He did. Like he just started turning in big yardage games because eventually the targets went out. Even if you're running these very short, um, kind of low EV um, routes, eventually. As long as you keep getting the ball, you will have a chance. Uh, it's encouraging. Um, and maybe maybe it's different for him, too, because I'm looking at his game log from last year, and he kind of has this sort of you know l- higher targets, lower yards kind of thing. Um, I, For me, the targets are always just going to win out. And in this price tier, especially for his price on FanDuel, knowing that their wide receiver core is, you know, Mike Wallace didn't do anything last week. They're not, they might be without Sproles. Foles has thrown the willing, been shown the willingness to throw to him. Uh, I think I'm pretty comfortable with it. It's not my most exciting play. Uh, there's a, I, I struggled mostly with wide receiver to find these value plays because I had written up expensive guys sure. at the other positions. Um, and maybe I'm just digging a little too deep. If Aguilar is in one of the lineups this week, I would have no problem with it. And I probably wouldn't call him a must-cash play like I kind of put the sanders Connor. Uh, group into maybe even girly like they're not yeah right on well I appreciate that I think you know anyone can continue to say Michael Thomas is a good cash value or whatever I would love to play Kamara girly Connor (laughs) Thomas you know uh, Tom Brady uh, not not this week against Jacksonville you know Drew Brees and then call it a day but you know DraftKings doesn't always work out tricky little thing called salaries attached to these guys so it's um yeah (laughs) well the amount of times that I've heard you say almost like some variation of that there's this tricky little thing there's this nasty little thing like just when chatters uh, come in and they're like yeah it's my like desperate to uh, respond yeah. <laughs> to try to play all the expensive guys. Uh, but speaking of a position where we can't play all the expensive guys, we've got tight end here. Uh, tight end, we're, we're definitively, it looks like, leaning away from playing expensive guys. Uh, but I want to get your take on one guy in particular. He's going to be a huge hot take waiver wire pickup guy uh, going into this week, and that's Jared Cook. So Jared Cook leads all receivers in yards <laughs> with 180 last week, unusual for a tight end, and led all tight ends in targets. He's only 5,000 on FanDuel, 3,600 on DraftKings. 
are we going to see him as an overwhelming chalk play? I mean, Denver, they're kind of a weird weird situation. They did rank really bad against the tight end, but they have been a good passing defense in general. And, you know, as we pointed out in our ebook, dfsr.com slash ebook, tight end passing defense doesn't always correlate that well from one season to the next. Coke, the overwhelming chalk play at 5,000? Probably. I, there's a couple of pieces of context here. One, well, there's one thing that's actually going to throw me off a little bit. Uh, Gruden called out Derek Carr for basically not throwing the ball down the field more to Cooper. Um, he kind of did it in a like subtweet sort of way, but um, he didn't ex- expressly say that was the problem, but basically said it was the problem. So I don't know if you see, if you maybe see them get away from what they were doing last week. I mean, Oakland stinks, and they had Cook led the team in targets at 12. Jalen Richard was the next highest at 11. They're, they're, Cooper had three targets, and Jordy Nelson had four. Is the target share going to normalize? back toward the other direction almost assuredly right there's no way um there's almost no way that this kind of target share keeps up going for any any of the players that i just mentioned and if cook this game had not been on monday night cook would have been way more expensive right this is the same thing with galladay the fact that those games it came out on monday and the pricing had already come out for week two um there's no possible way we would have seen the prices on either of those two guys had those games been played on sunday and i think that's an important thing because if you are if you are going to look at like who is potential value, even though they had a good week last week, I think we can translate at least some like seventy five percent of the targets he saw. Uh, sure. If they're going to feel uncomfortable in their offense, which it's much harder to throw deep when your offensive line's not good, when your offense is not that good, you are just rushed into kind of check down kind of things. I think I'm fine playing Cook here. Denver did get sliced up by the tight end last week. Um, Visley and Vanit, mostly Visley, um, just kind of no. Um, yeah, Will. Uh, the, I'm just blanking on his name now. He's the new wide. He's the new tight end for Seahawks. He let him up four catches in over 100 yards. I think that you see Cook probably as a chalk play based on last week's performance. The fact that he's still very cheap, I'd be completely fine with it because tight end is such an unexciting position to begin with. That like, why not just take a guy that had a lot of targets last week and is not priced like a guy who did? Yeah, and I think that that makes sense. I think. <laughs> Tight end's one of these funny Dis, By the way, Dis, where... Disley. I knew I was screwing that up. I, I, I did Vanitz V on top of the D. So I will Disley. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I knew what you meant. The Yeah, I think when it comes to tight end, sometimes my motivations lean heavily towards just not wanting to stick my neck out on stuff. Yes. Like The last thing I want to do is make some big declaration that Cook is going to be a bad play this week, go in some other direction with some tight end with 4% ownership while Cook has 70%, and just see that number when the game starts, right? Like, right. I'm just like, oh, great, because, you know, if he haven't helped me, if he does randomly catch two touchdowns, my week is over. So um, that being said, we have a guy that we played in cash last week that you wrote up again, and that's Jack Doyle on Indy, and, you know, he had a, you called it a cash-like performance, seven catches for 60 yards on 10 targets. Mm-hmm. I think that when I'm looking for stuff, for from my tight ends, I don't like to ask for a whole lot more than that. I'm not a greedy man, Doug, but if I can get double digit targets and 60 yards, like I feel like I'm pretty much satisfied, right? Like uh, I don't know. I, are you concerned that Eric Ebron comes in and you know he had the big play? Do you think Ebron takes more snaps from him, or do you think Doyle is just one of these solid guys that will just wind up playing way more often than most people? Well, uh, Ebron didn't take any snaps from him, so that's a good sign. They ran all the oh, sets. Oh, that's true. They, it was a two tight end sets, right? At all the sets they ran were two tight end sets, so I'm not okay. worried. Uh, Doyle was. Uh, out there for he was of, of, of he took some players. targets from him. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes, that that that's a little bit of a problem. And a lot of Doyle's a lot of Doyle's uh, usage came in the second half when they were playing from behind. Mm-hmm. Now the game script does sort of look like it's going to go that direction as well. So I, you know this is a kind of chicken or the egg thing. I am fine with Doyle. 
Right now, our system is actually putting Doyle in over Cook. I don't think that will be the way it ends because I have a feeling that I probably just haven't boosted Cook's overall target share enough when it's all said and done. But um, especially because he's cheaper, I would just assume take the guy 10% cheaper who had way more had more targets than, than one week into the other. So, yeah, because yeah, I only have Cook at six and a half targets, and I think if I made him at the same level as Doyle, we would be having a different discussion. But either way, oh, yeah, I have Doyle at seven and a half. So if I, if I make them equal in targets, I think we end up seeing Cook. And I'm fine with Doyle. I, uh, Luck has shown that he wants to throw uh, to the tight end in the past. He did this with Doyle the season he was injured. Uh, excuse me, the season before he was injured. Uh, it was clear after game one I wrote this that Luck did, had, did not want to go downfield. Either couldn't or wouldn't go downfield at all, which only helps Cook in the short yeah, pass. So it yeah, only helps Doyle true. in the short passing game. Um, I, by the way, I think Jordan Reed is kind of close for me here as well. I didn't write him up. He's just a little bit more expensive than the other two guys. But we saw, we saw what Alex Smith did for Travis Kelsey last year. And Reed looked fully healthy. And if that if he's just going to be their sort of default WR1, like Kelsey was in Kansas City last year, I think we can translate some of Kelsey's performance onto Reed here because of the new quarterback situation. So he's actually a pretty close one for me as well going against Indy. So I, I'm with you. I don't really want to stick my neck out. Cook is just the cheapest of those three guys. I think in the end, you go cheapest at tight end to hope for a touchdown. Maybe you get creep toward double-digit targets. And that's kind of the best case scenario. Well, yeah. And before forward. we get out of here, too, I, I want to talk about tight end, you know, because I mean, everyone listening to this podcast has played fantasy football before. Nothing's going to surprise you here. But tight end and the way the pricing works on these sites is oftentimes very strange, where like if you had a guy coming off of Cook's or Doyle's weeks at these prices at wide receiver, you would just look at them and call them excellent value plays and you oh, would yeah. just kind of run with one. Um, I think either of them is probably going to be fine, but you're never going to play more than one tight end almost ever. So uh, I think you just pick one and run with it. I think, you know, again, leaning towards the chalk, it's pretty unlikely it hurts you. I think Doyle actually, I like him for cash. I think he's got really good cash upside, but especially that if the plan is to throw more short passes, no one stands to benefit from that more than Jack Doyle. And he can be a nice big red zone target too. So if you think everyone's going to be on cook for big tournaments, I think Doyle makes for an excellent pivot but um i think after that dude we've, we've done it pretty well on the cash game article here i think keep you know tomorrow we'll talk more about defenses in particular on our mega every game breakdown podcast but in terms of cash plays i think this is a good place to get people kicked off yeah buddy uh, dvsr.com slash nfl will get you started we have premium stuff going up for the rest of the week stacks um some basic dfs uh, 101 kind of stuff that's going to get you started on what you need to look for leading into your sunday and what maybe your sunday mm-hmm. mornings should look like if you can get away and, and you're making lineups uh, what you should really trying to be focused on at that point and then i have some uh, millionaire maker thoughts that i'm trying to hone in because i've almost had too many that i'm having trouble honing them in into a couple things so it's gonna be about uh, percentages and people just overreacting to week one mostly mostly yeah. i just wanted another reason to write about patrick mahomes all right dfsr.com slash nfl <laughs> will get you started go over and check out that free trial i'll uh, take you through the end of week two games uh, but talk to you again tomorrow when we just talk forever about every game in the NFL. Later. Hi folks, Dirk Bentley here. Being on the go is a big part of my life. I love seeing new places, meeting new people, and performing all over the world. For energy on the go, for me, it's five-hour energy. It works fast, works long, and it tastes good with zero sugar and four calories. Try it. It could work for your on-the-go life, too. Five-hour energy. Energy on the go. Get five-hour energy at your local Casey's. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. 
You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.